Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to So I Got to Thinking, your weekly podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw from HBO's Sex and the City and apply them to modern life, love and dating. As ever, you are joined by actor and author Juna Dawson, Boy About Town, Dylan B. Jones. And this week we are joined by a very special guest. It's the celebrity director of Grazia magazine, Guy Pusey. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Do you know... About two years ago, <laughs> Dylan and I sat down and wrote a list of all the dream, dream people that we would have on our podcast. Obviously, we started with Sarah Jessica Parker, but underneath <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker was you. Well, that's because I, I'm basically Carrie Bradshaw, as in insufferable, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're the only gay journalist who have ever thought they were Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, I mean, I just I just wrote an article once about, you know, the reasons that she's the worst. And I realized that I was basically guilty of everything. I think most people who who see themselves as Carrie Bradshaw rely too heavily on the positives. And I see myself as Carrie Bradshaw because I acknowledge that the negatives are actually quite prevalent in my personality. My poor friends. (laughs) But you have a very similar job to Carrie Bradshaw in that you write for a, I guess, a women's lifestyle magazine. You're Mm. writing about sex and fashion and celebrities. I I mean, obviously, I too have glimpsed this lifestyle, as has Dylan. But Guy, you are are much better at being Carrie than we ever were. Um, What's it like? What is it like being a celebrity journalist? Tell us about your life. Do you... Can you afford Manola Blahnix? Do you have a walk-in closet filled with designer clothes? <laughs> I don't even have a closet, period. <laughs> oh. uh, I get, you know, I get the occasional freebie. I'm very, very lucky. I have a lot of fun. I get invited to a lot of parties, but absolutely not. I cannot afford the designer clothes. And also the idea that they would put put me on the side of a bus is absurd enough. <laughs> they should put you on the side of a bus. And also, you know, what Carrie didn't get that I always get, especially when I used to have a, a, a column in a newspaper, was the inevitable 12 tweets a day saying, God, you paid to write this shit. <laughs> now Thank she God would. she wasn't on Twitter. <laughs> well, I mean, let's wait till the end of this episode. But if you, I mean... We've certainly had a lot of new followers in the last couple of days because it has now obviously just been announced. 
officially, we've Dylan and I have talked about this. Sarah Jessica Parker herself has confirmed that a version of Sex and the City is returning. It's not even called Sex and the City, apparently. But we'll we'll come to that at the end because I'm sure we all have opinions about that. For now, it's business as usual. We are on series three, episode 13. 13. It's Escape from New York. Dylan, yeah. as ever. Your potted synopsis, please. For the first time, unless you're counting like Lainey's baby shower in Connecticut, for the first time, the show properly goes to a different location. And it works, I think. But we'll get into that. Carrie, Miranda and Samantha all go to LA because Carrie has a production meeting to ter- to adapt her column into a film, which she seems sort of like quite put upon by it. She's like, oh, fine. Like, if I have to go and do this, I will. Um, and Charlotte stays at home and tapes stamps around Trey's penis. Yeah. And in LA, Samantha meets Mr. Dildo and um, Carrie meets Matthew McConaughey. And Miranda meets a man who is more interested in a hot woman than mm-hmm. her. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I will say this. In general, my least favourite ever episodes of Sex and the City are the ones where they leave New York. Mm. Um, I think more so than any other TV show, there's that really worn old adage of oh New York is the fifth character but in Sex and the City I think you lose something as soon as you leave New York and never more so was that evident than in Sex and the City 2 um indeed (laughs) (laughs) the the less said about that the better what what did you think guys is this a classic vintage episode of Sex and the City I really enjoy this episode it, I certainly don't quite enjoy it as much as when um she's in LA again you know the Vince Vaughn real estate you know Carrie Fisher uh the the designer bags I I I found that kind of California jaunt more fun um but I do think this is a really interesting episode as Dylan said, it being the first time we're really out of New York properly since Connecticut is basically New York suburb, basically. Um, and I really like seeing them in a different in a different location. My real issue throughout, and of course this is a complaint that I have about Carrie generally, she really behaves, in my opinion, absolutely terribly <gasps> com- throughout. When she doesn't go I to the meeting at the end. Can you imagine... She can you imagine? My God, you know, you've you you'll have had meetings about optioning and this sort of thing. The idea that someone would get in touch with me and say, God, we love your columns, we love your work, we would love to, you know, make a, a film about, you know, Guy Pusey's London life. <laughs> I would be at every meeting 10 minutes early. I would do whatever they wanted. If they deigned to suggest that I might want to meet Matthew McConaughey to discuss his participation in my work, I, I actually can't believe that they wrote it in that way because she is so ungrateful. And, you know, <laughs> you know showing up at, um, you know, the way she speaks to Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, which is a real fun cameo, I mm, think, one yeah. of my favourites. Yeah. The way that she kind of looks down on this woman who is basically just saying, I'm a huge fan of your work and I really identify with with you. The way she treats these people, the way she shows up, to, you know, and, and brings two <laughs> friends and demands <laughs> sweets for both. How, you, what? I mean, it I might can't be, believe it. It might be a sign of the times as well. Might, maybe that was more acceptable behaviour in the 90s and early noughties. You see, I think this is interesting because... 
So this is the first time I've watched season three since my career very much switched from author, which is a lovely Mm -hmm. job where you are largely in your bedroom writing stories and then a lovely woman who went to Oxford tells you the bits to change. And (laughs) and that's the whole job kind of. Whereas in the last two or three years, obviously a huge part of my work now comes from TV development. And I did... A bit like Guy, I sat there this time was like, oh my God, there is a a reason this show does not get optioned and it's Carrie. Um, Yes. The fact that she never has any repercussions for standing up Matthew McConaughey. Well, maybe she does because that's why by the end of the second film, none of her books had been adapted for television. Maybe Mm. it's because she's a fucking nightmare. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she, she, she behaves appallingly. On the flip side of that, I will say I have been in those meetings with the Sarah Michelle Gellers and Matthew McConaughey's. Mm. They're very intense. I think Sarah Michelle Gellers' character, who is credited as Debbie, um, <laughs> the, the feared... <laughs> she's such a Debbie. She's such a Debbie. The feared... You. You so, are such a loser. You! <laughs> such a fucking I'm loser. kidding. I'm kidding. I've met Debbie. And and there is something young, jun- junior sort of development execs are hungry. Mm. And very often, I think it would be safe to say they are in, they're either interns or trust fund kids. So they are desperate to get a foot in the door. And um, often it is the younger younger ones who are kind of on the front line, searching out new properties who are reading the books and reading the columns or, you know, oh, I heard about you through your podcast. I mean, the number of times I've been summoned to meetings to talk about TV ideas because I've been on things like the Hilo. It is, it's the 22, 23-year-old kind of younger ones who are kind of got their eye on the prize. And so it rings true, actually, that a young woman in her 20s would have read Carrie's column and, mm. and summoned her to LA. I thought it was quite meta as well, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like, I'm sure Candice Bushnell had, might have had a similar conversation with someone at HBO um, when she was like, I'm you, like, that's what everyone said about Sex and the City, wasn't it? Like, oh, like, it's so me, like, Carrie is me. And we're still saying it now. Um, yes. So, yeah, I thought she was good, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I thought she was really good. And I love that it kind of comes out of nowhere. And I also oh. love that I could say exactly where she was with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, judging from the turn of blonde she has on. <laughs> Indeed. I thought the same season thing. Season five. That was season five, <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar hair, right there. Um, and... <laughs> A, sl- a slightly darker blonde on Buffy that season. Um, <laughs> um, however, the scene, I mean, hats off to Matthew McConaughey for playing the most spectacularly deranged version of himself. Yeah, um, he was great. I agree. I find it quite impressive when someone says, yes, I will play Matthew McConaughey. I will be Matthew McConaughey playing Matthew McConaughey, you know, with the sort of Sir Michelle Gellar casting, you know, she's decided to play a character. But I think it's really a good depiction of what people see Matthew McConaughey as, or at least then, you know, now that he's got an Oscar and he's a bit more serious, a bit more thespy. But at the time he was a proper heartthrob, a proper sort of rom-com king. And to kind of show a vaguely unlikable side of himself, I think is quite 
um, it's, it's good. And I do like that he's like, you're going to have to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop I mean, smoking in my, yeah. Stop smoking yeah. in my office. Yeah. Actors always go up massively in my estimations when they play themselves as an asshole. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. Like you're, you're like, you're like, you're down for a laugh. Like you don't take yourself too seriously. And do you um, want to know some tea about this part? Um, it was supposed to be Alec Baldwin. Right up and oh. right up until the very very last minute, which is why Sarah Michelle Gellar has to occlude her mouth when she says who the star is, because if you lip read Sarah Michelle Gellar, she's saying Alec Baldwin. How funny! And he didn't want to do telly. He had real worries about and strangely because me and my partner are watching 30 rock at the moment there is a whole episode about what happens when film stars do tv and (laughs) and i think we forget at that point you didn't have nicole kidman and reese witherspoon doing big little lies it was a very new thing that you know i remember when julia roberts popped up in friends being like wow why would julia roberts be in friends that's like the maddest like god is is her career on the rocks or something and and yeah the the truth behind the matter is is that alec baldwin could not be tempted into a cameo in sex in the city even though it was huge huge TV yeah show. season three mm. especially it really hit its stride by then mm. um but yeah just yeah yeah i really like matthew mcconaughey's kind of presence in it i think he really delivers mm. what the fuck is wrong with carrie <laughs> he asked the question we all wanted to ask and that's really what annoys me about her not showing up for the second meeting you know it is incredibly unprofessional of course and it uh, her reputation would be in tatters yeah. she is effectively saying never adapt my work again but kind of from a personal side of things it's that refusal to acknowledge that maybe she is in any way responsible for any of the problems in her life. Obviously, Matthew McConaughey comes on incredibly strongly and his suggestion that actually Big's a good guy and actually it's Carrie's problem is completely excessive. But in not showing up for that second meeting, she's saying, no, I am not the problem and I'm not going to entertain that question or that possibility, which I find mad Mm. and she's also very like quite apart from that she's also just generally really annoying and moany for the whole trip she's like one of those like i find that whenever you go on like a group holiday or hear about group holidays from friends there's always one who like just is weird and like stays in their hotel room and doesn't enjoy anything and she's that one like when they're when they're at the like amazing camp fun dildo launch she's like no I'm sick of this. I want to go. And when Samantha like gets in the dildo, she's like, put it away. Like she's just, at every turn, she is like tedious and annoying. Yes. <laughs> and I like that she's a smoker. I, I like that Carrie Bradshaw is a smoker. Yeah. You know, in the last, in the last series, when she goes to Paris and stops smoking again, I, I love that. Yeah. I think it really works for her. She's a smoker. But showing up to a hotel and kicking off when she's not on, in a smoking room, um, <laughs> insisting to her friends that they meet her for a cigarette before the rest of their day, smoking in front of Matthew McConaughey in his office. You know, there's being a smoker and there's being incredibly disrespectful to the situation that you have found yourself in. I find this is one of her most intolerable smoking mm. moments. And she, she keeps leaving cigarettes on the floor everywhere, including a set. She leaves a cigarette on a set. It really, it so really, rude. it really reminded me of her behavior in this episode. Really reminded me of. I think we're all familiar with the amazing Instagram Tommy 
Tommy Do. Tommy yes. Do, Love think, Tommy Do. Who does the videos of like her acting ridiculous interspersed with him being like a member of the public shocked <laughs> when she like <laughs> when she like yells off the balcony like I have an addiction sir. I just imagined him him like turning around like shocked looking at her. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to be really specific. I think it's Tommy underscore underscore do. I think there uh, are two underscores. Oh my God. Um, but yeah. he he did one. He I posted it on my stories yesterday. The cockadoodle do episode, um, which we're going to get to. I'm so excited for the cockadoodle do episode. We are but five <laughs> weeks away um, from dealing with transphobia in um, Sex and City. I mean, before we go to the break, um, guy, in mm. in your line of work, you, you've met many actors. Um, I have. They are. Do you think it's fair to say? Because I'm not going to say who, but I have basically been in that meeting with the world's most intense actor, telling me for 90 minutes what he's going to do with one of my novels. Do we think it's fair to say that actors are mad? Discuss, and I say this as somebody who is doing quite a bit of acting oh at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely mad. I mean, you're mad. So mad. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those industries where where narcissism is rewarded, where um, where selfishness is rewarded, where where greed is rewarded. So of course, it attracts a certain kind of person, and obviously, it's it's hugely corrosive. So if you are a wonderful person who just loves the work and just loves transforming into other people, you know. I have changed from being in this industry and I'm not an actor. You know, it's made me, you know, people find me insufferable. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you say things like, you know, even I, you know, accidentally find yourself saying, oh God, do we really have to queue to get in here? Like, oh God, no, I don't, I, I don't queue. Um, you know, you kind of find yourself saying those asshole things and that's just being peripheral. Mm. So if you are the special guest at the party... Of course that does something to you. Your name is in lights. You're on billboards. Yeah. Of course you, you're an asshole. I'm, I, I mean, I, same as you, I can't name names, but God, every actor I've ever met, basically. <laughs> just as a, as a rule of thumb, yeah. Um, I've just finished on a set at the moment. By the time this episode comes out, hopefully we'll have announced it, but I won't say just in case. I've just, fin- I've just finished <laughs> filming and we were doing some location filming. And maybe it's because I've entered the career quite late in my 30s. But there was a whole team of people whose job it was to bring us hot water bottles and little hand warmers. And I realised that the three actors were surrounded by about 30 crew members, none of whom were allowed to complain about the cold. And yet we were being brought blankets and coats. And I was like, oh, my God, imagine. This is this is how it begins. Yeah. Like... Do you think it's oh. like, do you think it's residue from still left over from like the glory days of Hollywood when actors were kind of literally treated like gods and it's still, we still haven't quite, because that surprises me, Juno, to hear that because I always suspected that now things were a little bit more, I don't know, like just a little bit less over the top. But it sounds not. It sounds like that's not the case. Now and until a couple of weeks ago, we weren't required to wear masks on set as well. Because oh, although we all did actually, because we're not insane, yeah. yes. but um, you know, it was you know you are you are the talent. It's yeah. not, it's not expected of you, um, which is it wild because everybody on that set is the talent. You know, the person mm. recording our dialogue is a talent. The person moving the camera, I don't know how to move a camera, so they are the talent. 
and but it's it's interesting and it kind of is explained a lot about because obviously a lot of actors have production companies i just really worried that I, you know i realize now that you know I, i've had dealings with about five actors who run production companies and then might be listening to this thinking is that bitch <laughs> fucking talking about me because actually i'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna name a good one I'm going to do so. There we go. Because I want this person to know I'm not talking about them. I've, I've done a, I've done a lot of work with Simon Pegg's production company, and Simon is lovely and so normal and so down to earth. And I think it's because he was a writer first. Mm. So again, he's not a child star who's kind of you know kind mm. of come up through studios. He is a writer who is now an actor, kind of, and is still a writer. So, um, so it's not him. Simon, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I love you. It's not you. But yeah, I think that's a good time to take a break before I before yeah. I do a full Carrie Bradshaw and make myself unemployable in film and television. <laughs> and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. Um, this week, we're joined by the celebrity director of Grazia magazine, Guy Pusey, and we are discussing season three, episode 13, Escape from New York. Um, so having just eviscerated Carrie's total lack of <laughs> professionality, I suppose we should we should actually get to business and try to answer her question, um, which is, can we ever escape our past? Which has nothing to do with LA or Carrie's career in Hollywood. Actually, her question has literally nothing to do with anything that happens in this episode. But at the podcast, no. we did task ourselves with the job of answering her questions. So, it's also an infuriating general question isn't it yes. like what are we supposed to it's it's such a 90s it's another one of those very 90s questions like to us now a question like that is a bit ridiculous <laughs> like it's so vague and you know her whole you know every other episode because is because she's so tied up on the whole big thing basically for six years every episode could be argued 
you could slip that question in every episode <laughs> because she's always worrying about Big or Aiden or Berger or an old friend or, you know, or David Duchovny or, <laughs> you know, you know, if it's half the episodes could be, could have that question and it feels like a filler question. Mm. It feels like they've got her in LA because they want her to have a change of scenery. Yeah. They've probably signed up, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Matthew McConaughey last minute after losing Alec Baldwin and thought, oh, that'll be fun. And then they're probably writing it and they think, oh God, we haven't got a question. We <laughs> <laughs> can't have a question. Is LA fun? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they did record her talking types last. So actually, it is entirely possible the question was kind of retrofitted afterwards. Mm. Um, in which case, they should have probably thought of a better one. Um, yes. Like, does a change of scene change your... Your heart. Something... <laughs> is a change of scene change as good mind. as a change of heart? Um, which actually would have fit much more because that would have fit with Mar- like Miranda's that. story much, much better. Um, I suppose if we're talking <laughs> about karma... Like when when you you know when you explore Buddhism, very often the more the more modern understanding of karma is that if you can't move on from the past, you are kind of doomed to relive the same scenarios over and over. And I suppose there's a little bit of that to be explored, which is even even leaving New York, Carrie can't get away from her baggage. Um, yeah. It was Patrick Strudwick, the journalist, who once notably told me at the beginning of my transition, your baggage will come with you. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and he what? was right. Great. What a, <laughs> what a thing to, this is why I love Patrick. Like, what a thing to say to someone. <laughs> like, <laughs> What a not, useful, useful piece of wisdom. It's so him, though. Not like, congratulations. <laughs> just like, your baggage will come with you. <laughs> That's so funny. I um, mean, where was the lie? I mean, it was, it yep. was all true. Um, but I mean, maybe that would have been a better question. When you travel, does your baggage go with you? Question mark. Yeah, that would have <laughs> been better. And then cut to like Samantha's YSL luggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just exactly. I mean, we we do. That's the podcast. We have to answer the question as it is given. Mm. So, guy, do we think we can ever escape our past? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I, and I think that's positive. You know, I while I do complain about Carrie always being hung up on big and 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 that annoys me, of course, you know, that kind of classic thing that she'll be at brunch and lunch and breakfast and dinner with her three best friends who have cancer or have had infertility battles or or whose 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 parents have passed away and it three sentences in she gets to tell them to put that aside so that she can talk about big you know that annoys me of course it does but when it comes down to it I think it's accurate I think that relationships shape us and if they end well or if they end badly they are always with us even the ones that you know I'm sure we've all had relationships that were significant and important to us and others that you know they they petered out for no apparent reason it just was you just weren't feeling it but even those are still with you because they're important. They're part of a jigsaw of, of your life and some pieces are just bigger. And I think that it is, yeah, it's always with you and it's especially with Carrie. Um, but yeah, you, you look at throughout the whole series, exes are always a huge part of everyone's life. I love it when Miranda, is, is it, who does she see? Is it, does she see Steve and she runs? Oh, she, she, runs. she runs, yeah. You know, yeah. she hides, you know, or, or in a season one where she sees her ex-fiance whose name I can't recall his name is yeah. Eric Eric never mentioned before or since <laughs> never mentioned before or since <laughs> but yeah. that, I think that is accurate you know I 
if I might say that something will remind me of someone who I had three dates with in 2010. And that's part of you. Mm. And, you, you know, you think of something, you know, you're about to go to sleep and you're ready to go to bed. And then suddenly you'll remember something that happened to you when you were eight years old. Mm. That is absolutely mortifying and that you're not going to sleep for another three hours because it's in your head. <laughs> um, I suppose my issue really is that it's what you do with it. Mm. And yeah. she does. She doesn't do well with it. I think it's. I think it. I, I think the past is always with you. And, it's, and yeah, that's fine. I think you're right. And it's to learn from. I mean, I remember when I started having therapy. So we're going back to about 2013 now. And my first therapist was very, very keen to get onto my childhood. And I was just like, no, like I don't want to do that. It feels predictable. <laughs> but actually, by a few weeks in, I realized that we couldn't really do anything in the present if we didn't acknowledge the things that had happened in the past. And, mm. and so as, as reluctant as I was, you know, we, we did have to go there because, you know, the reason we are who we are in the present is because of who we were in the past. Yeah, maybe the answer is, uh, what was it again? Maybe the answer is you can't escape your past, mm. and nor sh- nor should you. Nor should you. Mm. Yeah, it's about how you deal with it, and mm. she just deals with it terribly. Yeah, and and, and she, <laughs> as usual, and she does she does seem to make the same mistakes often, you know. Mm. And I think, but I think I was prone to doing that as well. I think I think, you know, if so. Carrie, at the beginning of season four, she turns 35. So we are to assume that Carrie at the moment is 34 years old. I'm Mm. I'm a bit older than that now. And I think I have reached a level of calm in my life that I wasn't in my early 30s. I wasn't there yet. So maybe there is, maybe I'm being hard on Carrie because I'm now, weirdly, I've overtaken her, which is not true for like the first time now. So it's depressing, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> mm. let's discuss the other three anyway so let's it's a ridiculous question move on um let's instead look at um max was amused and delighted so max maybe watches like one in every eight episodes while i'm having my lunch and uh-huh. he was astonished and delighted at charlotte wrapping stamps around trey's flaccid penis and has extended the challenge to me like, can I do that without waking him, basically? <laughs> what a fun challenge. Challenge accepted, just, 100%. Just so ridiculous. Like, when Carrie was, like, talking Charlotte through this on the phone, I was like, or she could just, like, have a conversation with him <laughs> rather than exactly. this, like, Nancy... What did Carrie say? She feels like the filthy Nancy Drew or something. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, talk to him about it. <laughs> just so ridiculous like whenever it went back to charlotte i was just a bit like oh like th- this this is stupid like in fact also like this whole episode was kind of dumb like <laughs> yes. the, like the writing wasn't correct like it was all it wasn't like an amazing episode to me <laughs> i i just think it speaks to that sort of lack of in- intelligence of emotional <laughs> intelligence that carrie has because the final line in that thread of the storyline that, you know, in realising that Trey had a f- was physically, you know, fine, she realised, but, oh God, but what does that mean. implicate? Mm. You know, what, what does that mean? Oh, it means that it's emotional. Yeah. But that should have been acknowledged 20 minutes before. Yeah. When Carrie is saying, oh, just put a string of paper around, around his penis. <laughs> 
<laughs> so can we stop not solving every, the problem? Every so time you can realise that it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's mad. It's like she's setting up this problem, and she's what she's not saying to her dear dear friend is. And by the way, like if you wake up and this piece of paper has broken. <laughs> call me mm. we can talk about it this means that there's something else there that you are going to want to talk about and vent about but just like at the beginning of this episode where she's saying goodbye to charlotte she's saying um trey's impotent i cheated on aiden and it's like <laughs> yeah like it's not it's it sort of back and forth of problems with no effective solutions and she's well apart from providing... when, apart from when she says let's just get guns and kill ourselves which is like yeah not which amazing. is a great thing to tell your friend who's just in a miserable marriage um yeah she i think that she really let down charlotte i think that she obviously she's not a great friend ever but um but i think she lets down charlotte a lot because I just don't think she gets who Charlotte is. And I just don't think mm. she, I just don't think that she's able to say, to see how upset and, and how, and how much some, uh, Charlotte wants a family and what this means to Charlotte. It's not, it's not just a kind of quick fix, just put some stamps around his penis. What does this mean to Charlotte? This isn't just about sex. This is about motherhood, which is the biggest thing for her having a family and, and carry completely, Kind of so, uh, sails over it for no reason. Mm. Mm. Oh, Carrie. Oh, Carrie. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's the maddest suggestion from a sex columnist as well. We keep we keep coming back to this, which is, is this the advice she would give in her column, ladies? Exactly. If your man is struggling with impotence, then just get some stamps. Um, I love the yeah. line from I love the line from Charlotte. My husband can't be impotent. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Charlotte. Which is obviously ridiculous. <laughs> and I think that just it does speak to something real generally with with looks and sort of sexual prowess generally. And I think there is that assumption when you're younger that you know the sexy guy at the bar will be will but if you took them home would kind of deliver. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I think it is funny at that realisation when you in real life that that's not the case at all, actually. Which and that that leads us nicely into Samantha, where there is Samantha. The, a glimmer, a glimmer of an interesting story about male objectification um, oh. in, in that she literally dates a human dildo and is then surprised and horrified when he wants to have a conversation and, and read her his poetry. One um, thing I will say, one thing I will say for Samantha, that blue two-piece outfit that she wears is iconic. Like the shiny, <laughs> the shiny blue two-piece. Hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and it is funny when he starts doing the poetry and her face just like freezes. She's like, oh dear. <laughs> he's been, I'm going to Google the actor Garth Sex and City because he's been in all sorts of things. I think he was in Buffy as a police officer, actually. Oh, oh my um, God. So I think at the time he was very much kind of doing doing the rounds. I think he's played them a lot of police to, officers. Them going to the launch of a new dildo like made me miss my um, QX magazine days. <laughs> because I've been to... As not- someone... <laughs> I, I, I will say, I have slept with someone who had a readily available sex toy on the market. 
Oh, wow. Um, Amazing. I won't name any names. No, do, do. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, just, I probably shouldn't. Um, but it's just, um, it, it, you, it does, you know, you do have it at the back of your mind that other people pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite, a, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of almost a victory. Like, oh, I'm, it, I'm having it for free, which is like a really kind of like <laughs> ridiculous thing, but it's true. <laughs> it's just, yeah, no, it's I also, it's, I can definitely see the appeal, like the sort of tabooness of that other people pay for it, but there's this thing that it's deemed so pleasant in yeah. size or appearance that someone has actually paid this person to possess it. I also love the um, woman who they spot and they say, um, oh, are you in the industry? And she's like, oh, God, no, I'm a lawyer. For oh, she is my, that is my single favourite line in this whole episode. Just like, oh, no. <laughs> um, the fact that it's Disney as well. <laughs> the, the the dildo Garth is James McDonald. He has been in everything. He's another one of those <laughs> actors who has been in every single network. And he was, he was a cop in Buffy the Vampire Slayer in two episodes. Was he in a CSI Oh, he thing. was in Jag, the NBC drama, as three different um, characters. <laughs> he just kept coming back every three years as a different person. Um, I also wanted to know who Jason Dick was, because I really recognise Jason Dick. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, Miranda's... That's who he was. He was Ashley Benson's dad in Pretty Little Liars. He was past, uh-huh. Pastor Ted. In Pretty Little Liars, that's Mr. Dick, what... Mr. Dick and Pastor Ted. So yeah, so he did. He did like fourteen episodes of Pretty Little Liars. I knew weirdly Pretty Little Liars was in my head. He too has had his moment in CSI. You'll be pleased to know, and without a trace. That's the other one that everybody has been in without, without a, trace. a trace. Um, um, I'm trying to think if there's any. I like that the. I like that Garth. You know, I like it when men think that they can change Samantha, and she's like. Absolutely not. Because it, you know, I, while I do enjoy when she gets vulnerable, I love it when she's with Richard because I think she explores something really interesting. And I'm, I'm very pro the whole Smith storyline in season six. I like that. But, you know, she's never anything but honest. Like she makes it very clear while it's not pleasant, you know, she is objectifying him completely. And she is basically being very clear about that. But it is very honest. While it's not very nice, it's very honest. And sort of the arrogance of a man turning around and saying, I'm, I could move to New York to be with you. You know, you don't have to be like this. I find that really shocking. Yeah. Yeah. That's she true. doesn't want you. She's been very, very clear about this. This isn't her being manipulative or, or overly emotional. She said from the get go, practically verbatim, I would like to have sex with you because... I could buy your dick in a shop and she finds that sexy. So do we think was a- do we think Garth is meant to be sex worker? Do we think he's a porn star? Because I'm trying to think why they would have made a mould of his penis if he wasn't actually a porn actor. I think he is, because he's got mm. like a porny name as well. He's called like Garth Garth Smith. Like it's a really mm. deliberately porny name. And then he says like, I could come to New York and pursue like my love of porn and poetry. That's true, he does, yes. But the one thing I agree with Guy mostly 
But the one thing I didn't like about Samantha was when Carrie was when her thought process via Carrie's voiceover was like, oh, I don't want to be like introducing this guy to my friends at like a Met Gala. Like, fucking, that's a good point. Fuck it. It would be fucking fab to turn up at a Met Gala and be like, hey, here's my boyfriend who's a porn star. Lol. And Samantha would totally do that as well. So that bit I found a bit like, oh, that's annoying. Like and a bit slut shamey as well. Carrie slut shames the woman in the, the Disney employee she as does. well. Because she, she's a hooker. Oh, shut up, Carrie. You're a sex columnist. Right? A sex worker, (laughs) literally. Um, So, yeah, disappointing scores, which leads us to, I did like, now, in the weird alternate storyline where the question was, is a change of scene a change of personality? Miranda's lovely little storyline, which is really (laughs) cute, and it would have fit with that question, which is, because sometimes when you go on a holiday... Just for a week, it's really fun to be somebody else. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, when I go to New York with work, I become this kind of weird, kind of Kara Knightley, Hugh Grant version of an English person. <laughs> like, oh, hello. I wonder if I you really... could point me in the direction of the bath. I really Could have I it. have 20 chicken McNuggets, please? <laughs> a family bucket? <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> Stuffed crust. And that is, oh God, what's, we need to mention his Instagram account. Luke, Luke Millington Drake. That's right. That's so, so funny. <laughs> yeah, but there's that real, there is, and I think everyone knows it, don't they? Like that real kind of feeling of freedom when you're on holiday. Mm-hmm. like, And it's mostly yeah. psychological because... Most of the time when you're at home, no one's paying attention to you anyway. But you've got this thought of like, oh, I should behave because I might see someone I know or whatever. And that's really removed on holiday. Um, Which is what Samantha could have told Garth. She could have just said, Garth, I'm on holiday. I'm not looking for anything serious. We live, you know, West Coast, East Coast. That's a very long way. We've had our fun. Have a good life. Yeah. And yeah, it's not consistent with with Samantha, as as you say, Dylan, to to worry about what other people would think because that's not really the vibe that you're getting from what her behaviour at all. Yeah. But um, I love Miranda when she gets on that ball. That is such a fun moment, and her you know her t- with her shirt, and it's just great fun. I love when Miranda has fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, later on, again, when she but when she fits into her jeans. Yes. Post- Post Brady, you know, all of that when she's just really embracing joy and, and we, life. We just, the episode before this was the one where she pretends to be an air stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so good. I and don't I, suppose I would. <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting. Like, I had mostly forgotten about these moments. Like, and it is interesting how, because this is a fairly new thing which they run with now. Like, they make her more comedic, I think, mm. which is great because she's a great, like, Cynthia Nixon is a great comedic actress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when she's on the bull and she's like, wow, like, <laughs> just literally, like, screaming. It's amazing. And now, what's interesting is this the place where they go with the animatronic bull, the chop house, the LA something chop house is become weirdly iconic in LA because it's one of very, very few restaurants where you could eat outside. So all of a sudden it's become huge during COVID (laughs) because people can actually go there and, and be there. And we've had very tight restrictions in Los Angeles. And so it's kind of become kind of default cool. And and full of influencers, and it has been featured recently, which is it's it's really having a renaissance. It's done really really well this year, and um, because up until that point, it was sort of the equivalent of like what's that shitty steak place on Leicester Square? 
Aberdeen Ab- oh, Ab- oh, is it Ab- Aberdeen Steakhouse? Oh, that one, Angus yeah. Steakhouse. It was the Something kind of like the equivalent that. of that. It was like only tourists would go there. It was really, really naff. <laughs> um, like there's a mechanical bull. Um, but actually, it's become suddenly quite chic thanks to COVID. So let's all head to LA and go on an animatronic bull. Um, so there we go I think we've dealt with that episode but we're not going to go without giving our official so I got to thinking take on what's it called and just like that it's almost like I feel like they might have been inches away from naming it so I got to thinking can you imagine Mm. (laughs) it's the similar vibe isn't it yeah Um, you'd have been getting a letter from a a lawyer a cease and desist right there Yeah, what do we think? So Juno and I have touched on this briefly in the past couple of... What hmm. do you think, Guy? I'm, I will watch it, of course. Um, I, th- I think the fact that Cynthia Nixon is on board as an exec producer, mm-hmm. which she was, was not before, to me bodes really well, because I feel that she, of all the cast, have had the most interesting things to say about the show's legacy and the benefit of hindsight and how she felt that you know, at the time didn't notice, but looks back on it with, with uh, how the, the treatment of race and, and, the, and the gay community, etc. She talks quite eloquently about what she regrets. Mm. And I think having her not just getting a script and going on set to act it out bodes really well. Um, but I do worry about what, how, how, they're going to take, how they're going to handle it. Because, you know, as we all know from the second film, it's not always nice to revisit it actually that actually really tainted the whole thing the second film yeah so i just think if the writing is really really strong then i'm all for it but there's obviously the samantha issue which is a big one and i was i was sort of sat watching this episode trying to imagine that episode without samantha's contribution and it will be less, but I think, so I think there's a, there is a reason they've given it a new title. And I think it's to distance themselves from that film, from that second film. Mm, and yeah. granted so far, they, they've, they've, all we've seen of this project is some grainy footage of New York, but it's a very different Manhattan to the one that we've seen in Sex and the City, which has always been very glossy. Like yes. even, even a film like, how to lose a guy in 10 days kind of presented a grittier looking version of Manhattan. The, um, with the possible exception of the very, very first pilot episode of sex in the city, New York has always looked very gleaming and clean. And as did, as did they Mm. towards the, and it it got worse and worse as the show went on. Um, And by the films, it, it was yeah. like vajazzled, like it was a version of Manhattan that I don't really recognise. Um, I mean, hopefully it means that like the show, the the people in charge, whoever that is, I don't know whether it's going to be Darren Starr and all that lot. It's Michael Patrick King, but no, no mention of Darren Starr. Interesting. Hopefully that means Michael Patrick King has realised that like that kind of aspirational stuff isn't, doesn't quite, especially after the last year, is not gonna really fly. Um, fly with yeah, yeah that's no, what I was looking yeah, for. It's just Isn't not gonna, gonna work. Fly. It's it would be inappropriate. So I'm really interested. Like I'm with you guys. Like I'm. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I haven't completely dismissed it. I'm no. very interested, but I'm also very wary. <laughs> and I think I think we are well having 
studied this show inside out, I think we're very well qualified to have an opinion. I don't think we're being bitchy or um, dismissive. I think, you know, Sex and the City is iconic. It's so iconic that 20 years later, three people in their 20s and 30s are dissecting the show in minuscule detail. There are very... I can't think of, with the possible exception of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Doctor Who, I can't think of any other TV show that I would want to talk about with this level of discourse. You know, Mm. I don't see anybody sitting down to do this about Ali McBeal or about... There probably is somewhere, but um, God, you know. that would be a, that would that would be a dull podcast. <laughs> oh, the whole cast has changed again. I love Ali McBeal. Oh, so do I. I agree. I agree with you. So there's not a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's kind of so. I mean, we, we're dealing with with something that had real cultural impact. To for us yeah. to you know, as much as we love the frivolity of Sex in the City, it did have a cultural impact. We all learned what a Manola Blahnik was. We all learned how to mm. make a cosmopolitan, and so I think. As cultural critics, we are entitled to cast our eye on this latest twist. Um, The worry I have, Dylan, with what you just said is there is a book, a companion book for the first film. And of course, the first film came out in 2008, 2009, during the worst financial crash of Mm. a generation and Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica Parker both say right up front what the world needed was escapism (laughs) I mean let's uh, see so maybe they've changed their mind there yeah I think I'd be more much more interested in seeing you know these women are approaching 50 and I would like to see I certainly don't want Carrie to decide that she, after all, she really did want a baby and, you know, call up an adoption agency. I want her to look back on the fact that she made that choice once upon a time and there are, and and there are positives and negatives now pushing 50 of that choice and exploring that. I would be really interested to maybe not have big around Mm. for death or other reasons. Mm. Yeah. Um, And see, you know, if you've committed your whole life to a man who maybe isn't there anymore or, or, you know, regret. I don't want 10 episodes of regret, but I don't want 10 episodes of joy and frivolity and isn't Mm. New York fabulous. I think like... I want want Miranda to be sad. I want want Magna... I want Magda... to be acknowledged as no longer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they must. Um, they must. I, I want. I want Charlotte to be raising a child who is who was is is not um who is not biologically hers, and the cultural questions about yeah. you know that Kristen Davis in real life has discussed about the implications of her raising black children mm-hmm. that she adopted, and culturally, what does that mean? I would like. Serious with fun, not fun with serious. Yeah, I think like a, it sounds like a bit of a, and I was actually thinking this, like a bit of a Grace and Frankie type vibe, mm. maybe with them all as older. Late, I don't know. Um, someone on our Instagram commented saying that they would, and I thought this was genius. Commented saying that they would love to see with like um, Charlotte and her daughter, like a Felicity Huffman style um, college admission scandal. <gasps> yes, that, <laughs> and would, I was be like, so that would be so good. And, it's and so, she absolutely would do that. Yeah, it's so Charlotte, isn't it? Yeah, mm. so that's a great Oh, we're idea. not cheating. We're not cheating. We're <laughs> yeah. not cheating. But it's whatever it is. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker, bless her heart, going one by one through the comments on my Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. um, God bless her, because I wouldn't... Um, she did say she didn't say 
it's not Kim. She said it's Nurse Samantha. So they're not, I think we can mm. take that to mean they're not planning to recast the part good. That's but I can't, I still can't really think of a way that j- dignifies the contribution that Catral made to this series. And, you know, I can't get away from my other great love, the Spice Girls, and what they became after Jerry. Sometimes mm. you, when you lose a flavour it's not the same recipe. You know, you can't pull, you couldn't pull ginger spice out of the mix and and it didn't taste of ginger, basically. The whole thing felt far less colourful and much less fun. And I, 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 however this show looks and however it sounds, I think they're missing a really important flavour. I agree. Which I suppose at least the title change acknowledges that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do worry. Samantha is often, the humour is more powerful because Kim Cattrall is a talented comedic actress and her she has all the best lines. But also when she's going through pain and sadness, that has more of an impact because it's not what you expect from Samantha. You know, her breakups hurt more than anyone's breakups because, you know, when Richard cheats on her, that feels like a real betrayal. And mm. when, she, when she says to Smith that... But please don't fuck anyone, actually. I've changed my mind. Actually, I want to commit to you. That's powerful mm. because she's not, you know, these things are uncharted territory for her. And I worry what will happen without what Samantha brings. Mm. And also, uh, I can't remember which episode it is, but when Charlotte realises that Samantha has rubbed off on her for, in a positive way when she is missing sex and she can't talk about that with her more waspish friends, I worry... What are they, how is it going to affect the other three? Mm. Are, are, are they going to make Miranda more, more sex driven? Well, I, think, oh. I think they might promote Stanford. And I wonder if Stanford ah. will fill that role. I mean, for God's sake, I don't like him and Anthony being together. And I've said that lots of times. Hated it, hated it, mm. hated it, hated it. Don't, awful. Awful, terrible, would never happen. Um, but we'll see, although I will say as a final thing, none of this is a critique of Kim Cattrall. I fully, no. fully respect her for not going back. It's, it sounds like there was a real personality clash between her and Sarah Jessica Parker, because clearly this is not a clash that exists with Nixon and Davis, who have been very willing to go back multiple times. Um, yeah. So I, I don't believe Sarah Jessica Parker is a monster. I don't believe Kim Cattrall is a monster. I just think they didn't get on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd also and it's Kim, refreshing to see. Sorry, um, you. also Kim Cattrall. It's not like she like was going to be in it and then suddenly dropped out mm. either. Like she has said from the start, she was like, "No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it." So yeah, what were you going to say, guy? I was going to say that I respect someone. You know, there would have been a lot of money mm. in that return. She could have her agent or her manager could have said, "Blank check, please." Basically, when it comes down to it. And I respect anyone for saying, actually, I don't need this 10 million. Mm-hmm. Actually, thank you very much. Yeah. It's all good. The, I think yeah. the rumours circulated. I mean, granted, rumours have circulated around the cast since the show began. But um, mm. there was rumours of when Sex and the City 2 was announced that Catral was reticent and dragged her feet. And it was assumed because her agent was trying to get the best possible deal. And I think there was a quote from Catral that said... Although, again, we'll never know if she said it or if it was attributed to her, which is, you know, Sex and the City 1 was one of the biggest box office hits of 2008, but they were still trying to pay them like they were on TV. And she wanted the big X-Men 
payday. She yeah. wanted to be paid like a film star. And so I think she always knew her value. But maybe, you know, the horrific criticism of Sex and the City too. maybe that really was actually, do you know what? I should have listened to my gut and yeah. and not gone back even a second time. Also, so, maybe she absolutely. was maybe she was reticent because she was delivering some of her lines and thinking like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Standing in the street in like Abu Dhabi screaming, I have sex. Like... Oof. <laughs> Woof, indeed. Woof. And that's that's where we shall leave this episode. Um, yes. Guy, thank you so much for coming on So I Got To Thinking. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having where, me. Absolute thrill. Where can we find you on social media so our listeners can put a face to your voice? Gosh, um, you can find me at, at Guy Pusey on Twitter and Instagram. That's basically it. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah. um, next week, Dylan and I will be back to discuss season three, episode 14, which is Sex in Another City, I believe. Yeah, still in LA. Still in LA with, yeah. with handbags and Vince Vaughn and Carrie Fisher. Um, oh, yeah. So <laughs> until next week, you can find us at SIGTT Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>